0: It's time for another Bisexual Brunch with Nikki Hodgson, Ashley Byrne, but this week, no Lewis Oakley. He's quite literally waiting in the street outside a hospital for his baby to appear. What's all that about? If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would
1: be living in a totally different format.
0: We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi-perspectives on bi-issues.
2: I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that.
0: It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself
1: at the mercy of gay and straight advice.
2: You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch.
0: So, yeah, no Lewis. He's otherwise engaged as we speak at the moment, Nicky, isn't he? But he's not with his partner in the hospital Uh, because of coronavirus. He's stuck outside. I mean, what's all that about?
2: I don't know. It's terrible. He's stood on a curb somewhere while his poor partner's having contractions and he's not there to offer any words of solace. It's totally mad to me. But I mean, I mean, apparently you're allowed in at the end before somebody actually gives birth. But how do they gauge that? Because sometimes it happens really rapidly. Yeah. There must be a load of babies that are getting born with nobody else there to see them born. And that's really sad.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy, isn't it? And you think they'd have thought about this, really, that you know, people need to be there or at least let him in the building for god's sake do you know what i mean yeah
2: absolutely
0: absolutely crazy well Um,
2: there's a a petition in general i think it's something like the mail on sunday that are doing it which i'm not necessarily a fan of but (laughs) they they are doing a big petition to say that one of the rights that we've lost is you know the right of pregnant women to have people there to support them when they give birth yeah um because the other thing is you know people are are getting pregnant and then going for their first scan and they're not allowed to partner in on their first scan and that Surely you'd be able to stay two meters apart with a mask on. I don't understand it. It Doesn't make any
0: sense to it, me. It, it's crazy. And speaking of coronavirus, I've been for coronavirus test today because I have had a fever this week and a little bit of a sore throat and now metallic taste in my mouth. And so I went for a test. It took forever to get a test online sorted out. Thought we were going for a. T- Martin, we we're going to go for a test that was with a medical professional. And it turned out that it actually was a self-testing centre, which we didn't realise. And my partner has a problem with his um, nose, with septum. And he needed somebody properly to take care of sticking something up his nose, basically. And um, they didn't care. It was They were really bossy, quite rude. The whole thing was just uh, horrendous for experience, really. And apparently they just text you the result. So text you to tell you that you've got some... Potentially life-threatening illness. Do you know what I mean? It just, I don't know. It begs belief, really. To be honest. Really yeah, just... I'm
2: sorry, but that's just immoral. I mean, the whole point of healthcare is that you have aftercare yeah. as well as the care itself to help you. You know, diagnose what you've got or to give you treatment. Um, Oh my gosh, Ash! It's so depressing. It's so depressing. I don't want to think about it. Well, I hope. Have you got your result yet? Then
0: no, no. It, hopefully, it'll come through tomorrow or the day after. But I don't. All right. Well, know. right. Well, fingers
2: know. crossed that you haven't got it. Fingers crossed. It's just all right. I carry mean, on. I've
0: recovered from the fever, so hopefully that's yeah. a good sign. But you know what I mean. So, so yeah. Um, on a poor positive note, let's talk about <laughs> about bi- <laughs> bi- bi- bisexual um, awareness week. It's been uh, it's been quite a busy week. I've noticed quite a reasonable amount of activity in certain areas. It seems that Bisexual Awareness um, Week has actually got a little bit more mainstream coverage here, at least, anyway, I noticed, and maybe a little bit in America. Um, there was some survey done by uh, Anne Summers. They were trying to get in on the act, weren't they? What did it say, Vicky?
2: <laughs> well, I was confounded when I read this because I saw it on Wales Online and I thought that Wales had done its own survey of bisexuality, which I was really excited about. But no, that wasn't the case. Basically, Anne Summers said of the people they surveyed, that nine out of 10 of them, a whopping 90% said that they've experienced bisexual or curious feelings, with 80% saying they've acted on them in some form. Right Now, 80% sounds phenomenally high, but I don't know if that just means that someone's gone off and had a kind of cheeky self-pleasure <laughs> rather than they've actually approach the person they have a crush on <laughs> do you know what I mean because yeah. it's Anne Summers I was thinking yeah I think that's probably quite a loose definition of acted on
0: yeah it does sound a bit strab- and you know so you you know yeah no disrespect to Ann Summers but you know <laughs> big organizations and, and and bodies will jump in on the act where they think they can get some benefit and publicity won't they you know what I mean but yeah well, great if they've done a survey and it's positive at least at least it's positive um and and there was there's been a few other bits and bobs in the in you know in in the news that i've noticed around around bisexuality so it has been a, it has been talked about this week we've had some great responses to our sex uh, edition last week um, <laughs> <laughs> and one person said on twitter i work on the campus of a conservative catholic university i think this person is in america I feel like such a heathen listening to this right now while at work. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, she's pretty naughty. She's
0: quite it's pretty really naughty that one, yeah, absolutely. And then um, there was other people saying, um, I could really identify with it. What why do by people continually have to clarify their relationship? Is it time for us to stop justifying our sex lives? Uh, please, you know, please go to the episode Bisexual Brunch. So people recommending us here and um and several other people sort of saying interesting things. there's another one here somewhere that um' I'm just looking on there. enjoyed the latest episode, very informative as always. but what's funny, and I think it was brought up is that even by people who are single get shit from gay and straight people. <laughs> My dating life is abysmal, and I'm single as x, but the minute I say I'm bi, I get loads of nonsense, so you know. And then somebody replies and says, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You haven't met the right guy yet. You date a guy one week and a woman the next. You're greedy, blah, 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 all the stereotypes. Oh, so, yeah, so but uh, <laughs> well, we are getting a great response, which is fantastic. And yes, we're getting fun. a really nice response in terms of the, the audience profile is in, is really interesting. We're getting a good, uh, good audience now in the UK. It's growing all the time um, because, of course, we're here in the UK. But it's fantastic to see an audience... Um, globally and we you know we've got such a really good following in America and um and Canada which is which is really interesting and I find really curious. But you've um you've also had some good news for bisexual brunch this week. Something uh, something quite sort of quite big actually. What have you been up to, Nikki?
2: Oh well I did something really exciting today. I was honoured to be asked actually but um the British Library, that bastion of literature and all the kinds of writing where I spent a lot of time writing a book, actually. Uh, they asked me to go um, and speak virtually, of course, because of COVID, yeah. to um, to their staff about about the podcast, and about being bisexual, and also specifically about about how they can help uh, categorize the materials in the library to draw out bisexual stories. Right. So I had a really good rant, obviously, about all the historical <laughs> figures that you and I talk about that are bi and that never get any, uh airtime uh, for being by and we had a really good theoret- quite a theoretical discussion but a really good one about how do you categorize people that we would call by but they didn't call themselves by so we had a really really good debate about that and uh you know, it's really nice to be talking to people that actually think for a living yeah. and really, really care about how they categorise stuff in the best possible way, not in the negative way of trying to put people into a box, but in the way that if they categorise it, then it means that the majority of their readers and users of the libraries can access that material. So we had a really, really good chat today and I, I felt really, really bouncy afterwards.
0: Fantastic.
2: Um, and they're putting Bisexual Brunch in the uh, the British Library Archive. Oh, which is a special little thing for us so yeah yeah, feel vindicated we're definitely we're definitely on the up ash this week
0: well we're already in the history books we've only been around seven
2: weeks (laughs) exactly (laughs) probably the shortest (laughs) genesis ever of any kind of lgbt historical project
0: (laughs) so what was their response to the conversation and about the historical figures what 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 were people saying what kind of people
2: well they were smiling i presume they'd be people that they didn't know about or haven't thought about and that's only because I'm so used to the prejudice from other people and then I actually felt like an idiot because everybody I mentioned they all did a kind of smirk or a shoulder shrug or like like we've already thought about that sort of thing (laughs) so so and then I was like oh and Shakespeare and they were like oh don't get us onto Shakespeare we all know about Shakespeare they were all really really up to date with uh you know the conversation really and and the discussion about who who did sleep with who at what point in history so yeah it was brilliant it's just really nice to talk to like-minded people who were definitely thinking in the right direction for us anyway yeah
0: no it's it's it's, it's fantastic really when you think about it and uh, i mean we talked about this this other week but what do you what do you think is the the, the secret of our sort of slowly growing success in north america <laughs> i mean what is it about yeah
2: i i, I mean i I do still think it's the accent, having lived in California and worked out there as a sort of sex writer and investigator. You mean they
0: like our accent? Yeah, Yeah.
2: I mean. I can't tell you the numbers of times that I basically pulled because of the accent in L.A. And L.A. is not an easy place to pull in unless you're, you know, a goddess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so I always felt, you know, quite sort of English and mousy out there. But, yeah, as soon as you open your mouth, well, at least three people turn around.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I also wonder whether maybe some of our American listeners and Canadian listeners can let us know. But I, oh, also, yeah, I also wonder whether it's just that it's nice to get a different... Perspective on things mm. from what they g- normally get on a regular basis, because I mean there are quite a lot of things online that do mention bisexuality and a lot of bisexual organizations in America. But I wonder if they're, I wonder if they're cutting through, and, you know, or, or not cutting through, and we're cutting through in a slightly different way. I don't know. Maybe it's, I mean
2: you know. I think being bi, well, being any alternative sexuality to heterosexual is pretty partisan in America. You know, yeah. the discussion around it. Obviously, Trump is no fan of anybody who's not exactly like him in terms of his sexuality, which is sexist. Identity, <laughs>
0: identity politics is a bigger thing there, isn't it, than here, basically? Well,
2: yeah, because there's just so much debate about it, wasn't there, in the 70s and 80s, I think. It kind of really drove the growth of it, ironically, even if we think now it's bigger in Europe. I mean, yeah. that's, up, that's up for debate as well. But, yeah, I, I tend to think that people have to be very political about it because it's a way of protecting themselves in a way that, actually, in Britain, we can be a bit more blasé yeah, because uh, yeah. we're a little bit more protected by history of liberalism. But that, that's kind of my gut feeling about it. But I do also still think it's to do with the accent.
0: And just a slight aside, you mentioned liberalism there. You've been, mm. uh, I know you're a big liberal and I am too. <laughs> um, of course, liberalism is slightly different here than liberalism in America. So for our American yeah. audience, it doesn't mean uh, in Britain that you're an ultra lefty. Um, liberalism in Britain is means more what's in the tin, i.e., you're liberal and open and whatever and all the rest of it. Um, and you were you were doing a discussion, weren't you, with your friend um, Ian Dent about about liberalism and why the world needs liberalism? I think. Yes,
2: right? yes. So Ian, Ian Dunst.
0: So... Sorry, Dunt, not yeah, Dent. Yeah. Sorry.
2: So Ian, Ian, and I have known each other for a long time in journalism. We both used to contribute to the Erotic Review, funnily enough, uh, where we used to write about our sex lives. And I'm sure Ian has burned all that because he's a really established political journalist <laughs> now. And I shouldn't probably say that about him in case people start googling. It's not in the archives online. It was all it was in the old print magazines. So. Hey, you,
0: you. I mean, I know, I know you, you're not bothered at all. But we were, me and Lewis were. Expressing all our sex life secrets last week on, uh, <laughs> on well, I, No, I am bothered I, I, increasingly and, bothered. And now it's gone in the archives. For God's sake, it's gone in the archives. <laughs> it's
2: on record now. Exactly, that's what I thought. Um, no, so me and Ian had this really good. I did an event this week, which was he's written a brilliant book called How to Be Liberal, and it's about the fight for liberalism in the kind of current climate. And so I interviewed him about that, and he sort of he's plotted the history all the way from Descartes to today to yeah. Trump yeah. and it's it's actually just a really amazing read and he does he does really well encapsulate the fight for lgbtqi rights in that book as well and talks a lot about identity politics and the kind of problems with it so if you're a fan of liberalism i.e basically believe that the individual has inalienable rights which is definitely what we believe and that people should be treated as though they've got their own rights and be allowed to express themselves as they want to be you know to express themselves then definitely read this book or catch catch up on the video because like i said i did the interviewing so you don't necessarily have to do it (laughs)
0: fantastic fantastic (laughs) and they can find that where can they find that they can
2: find that if you go to my instagram all my links to everything i do are in there right okay. so there's a, there's a link in my bio and it's like a special chart that gives you like three thousand links to so everything's in there this week
0: fantastic right then so our main focus this week we thought we'd focus in on some more personal stories because these seem to be quite popular because um obviously everybody's bisexual stories we we're always saying is 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 different um and as it's Bisexual Awareness, we, we thought you'd, we'd give you a double bill. And, and basically, we've got two people from Northern Ireland. We thought we'd um, find out what being bisexual is like in Northern Ireland. Because Northern Ireland, of course, has got an interesting uh, past, uh, as we know, Nikki, hasn't it? In terms of, you know, sort of different traditions that haven't mm. always been supportive of LGBT Very things. Very so. um, From different directions. We've been hearing from uh, two people in Derry. Which apparently is now a bit of an LGBT hub in Northern Ireland. That's where all everyone who's LGBT goes to. It's a it's a great place to be. Apparently, Derry. I mean, but Belfast is okay, but also Derry is the other place you should go if you if you're uh, LGBT or visiting Northern Ireland or whatever. You know, everyone's welcoming in in, in Derry. So um, we've been talking to Mel and Ezra. A really interesting conversation, which we'll have here in a moment. But um, what I drew from it actually, before you you get to it, is how. Talking about liberalism, it's how liberal (laughs) these two people are. They're quite one of them's um, older than the other one. One's quite young, from slightly different, slightly different backgrounds, I think. But it feels like it's it's strange, really. Northern Ireland and Ireland as a whole, as we know, and I'm partly, you know, partly Irish, has had a pretty conservative history. But it feels that, despite all that. they've sort of gone full hog quite quickly to embrace um sexuality and things so like for example we're going back a bit but in the 1990s uh, you had um you know Mary Robinson um helped to bring in the equal age of consent way before britain did and then of course you had the you had the equal marriage thing and obviously the liberalized things now on abortion at both both ends of the of the country as well haven't they so what i mean is they they seem to have, sort of, very quickly in a way in in terms of I know it's been a historical thing goes back a long way in in a, in, in some respects but what I mean is that they've 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 got rid of those moralistic shackles quite quickly haven't they I, I don't you think do you understand where I'm coming, coming from it's sort of
2: yeah I do Ash and I'm partly Irish as well so it's
0: it's particularly interesting to me for that reason I wonder if it's a sense of and I, I think I asked them this in the interview. I think what if it's a sense of the other, because not because yeah. Ireland is always on. You know, it's the other. It's the always, always has been. Yeah, because it was part. Obviously, it was it was part of it was Great Britain, uh, 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 United Kingdom, and you know, and, and Ireland for a long time. But obviously, Ireland always suffered compared to. Britain and was on the outside. Well, it's, where, it's where they used
2: to send any king who or knight that behaved badly, right? They used to banish them to Ireland. That's yeah. what I remember from my history lessons, anyway. That's right.
0: Although <laughs> all, although Dublin was like, at one point, it was like the second city of the empire, and there's a lot yeah, of, a lot of yeah, wealth there. Yeah, that's where my
2: family are from. A lot, yeah. a lot
0: of wealth there. and whatever. But yeah, I just wonder if it's that sense of being the other, and therefore realizing that LGBT people are the other and are always on the outside and therefore we must stand up for them you know what I mean so that's
2: a really good point I wonder if it's that you know all the Irish people I know are very smart very well read. they have a they have a deep knowledge of their own history yeah, whether more, they're more, very more, deep
0: more people more yeah. people in England much more than and
2: England. and I I think there's a sense of the ideas have always been there, but they've had kind of oppressive forces on them to not allow them to be certain things. So maybe it's a case of as soon as they were allowed, it was all kind of, it, all came to, it came to the fore because it was kind of bubbling away anyway. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I
0: mean? It was like an explosion. Totally. As it were. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's hear from Mel and Ezra in Derry.
3: You're listening to Bisexual Brunch.
1: Hi, my name's Mel Bradley. I live in Derry in Northern Ireland. Um, I'm a outspoken queer feminist writer and performer. Um, I like to challenge what is okay for uh, what is okay for a woman to stand on stage and say, where and do. That's I've made it my goal to. to to be brazen on stage and say the things that don't get said in polite conversation.
0: Fabulous, fabulous. Well, that's great. That's really good. Please feel free to say anything you want (laughs) Uh, on Bisexual Brunch. We're open for people being as liberal as they possibly want to be. So obviously it's Bisexual Brunch and that's our main focus is on the bisexuality side of things. Tell us a bit about your story with regards to your own, you know, your own bisexuality and how you came to realize you were bisexual really so take us back a bit and uh, if you start and tell us tell us your journey
1: oh my goodness yeah um when i i think the first time i had the conversation was i was 18 um i'd been through a really abusive relationship um like gone through a lot of domestic horrendous domestic violence relationship and we had there was a separation period and my sister decided to take me a party and we were there and this girl walked into the party and my breath just caught I just I just froze um and it was the first time that anybody had really just talked to me um and I fancied the pants off her and so I like made the sort of statement to my sister that I think I I think I like her I I I think I fancy her I don't know what to do with this so my sister was like right okay that's it you're coming out with me and so she dragged me to every gay disco that was available which there was one and every night that she could um, get me to it and, um, and I sat down with my mom and I said you know so I think I like girls um, my mom sort of glossed over the top of it and I threw myself back into the closet and and kept quiet for another 12 years. And I'd sort of, I'd always been the questionable friend and always been the one that sort of sat on the outskirts of like relationships and didn't really do anything. Um, And I remember saying, if I ever slept with a woman, that would be it. That's the line that I will not cross. That's the line that I know there'll be no coming back from. And yeah, then I got into a relationship. yeah, when I was 30, that same girl, I met her, she was working in Tesco and she'd come. she been off travelling and she'd come back and ah oh, walked in and there she was and I couldn't put two words together to make sense of anything and it took eight months of flirting between the two of us over a checkout for her to ask me for my number and for us to hook up and eventually kiss. And then i sat down with my mum and i said yeah i like girls and i like boys and um, that's kind of it um and then i i sort of stayed in a woman only place for a few for a number of years because i was quite like on the fence there was so much i saw so much stigma around being bisexual within the community so many um lesbian women really had an issue with 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 women who were bisexual, um, and I and I, I think one girlfriend said I couldn't be in the relationship in a relationship with somebody who was bisexual because I wouldn't want a man interfering in a, in my relationship. So that kept me quiet for a very long time, and and then, um, I I was working with young people, and I was seeing there was a lot of struggling. Um, I was doing Shakespeare. I was doing a play in Belfast. Four years ago, five years ago, five, four, four years ago, um, in Belfast, and it was Visibility Day, and I saw somebody posted on online, "Hi, I'm Bi. Say hi," and I was like, "I have to stop hiding who I am," and so I wrote a spoken word piece that was designed. It was written for a slam, and I performed it, and that was kind of me and hands into the world. Yep. I'm bi, I'm not confused, I'm not greedy, and I might be promiscuous, but you know, that's okay, that's that's fine, but it's not, it's not an experiment, it's not me playing around, that's just who I am, take it or leave it.
0: Um, that's really, really interesting. Did you have any sort of dilemmas as you went along? Because often the issue with people who are bisexual is that they sort of, obviously they fall in love with people who happen to be you know, male or female or, 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 or whatever gender, and um, you, you because that's all consuming often falling in love with somebody, um, or or even being very sexually attracted to somebody and having a mad night of passion or whatever, you suddenly start to question yourself, don't you, as you go along? You think, oh, maybe I am, maybe I'm gay, oh, maybe, maybe I'm straight after all, you know, you sort of it's a bit of a bit of a, a complex issue, isn't it? Really, I mean, what I'm saying is, did you feel yourself? sort of being pushed from one thing to another in that sort of journey to, to eventually accepting yourself as uh, as bisexual.
1: Oh well, absolutely. Um I I completely had had listed myself as 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 lesbian. I'd adopted that. That was it. There's only interested in women. I wasn't even going to give men a second look. That was it. And and then I I, and I don't have rude dreams but I started having rude dreams <laughs> and having to like really face up to it and then I met a man Um. so it used to be I used to say men are for casual sex because women are horrendous for casual sex like I at one point used sex for contact human contact because I'm not I was never really a touchy-feely kind of person so it was sex is sex is where I get my human contact that's it I don't do relationships I don't do that sort of thing and then my the way that I'd categorize things was sex was men were for sex women were for relationships and then I met a man and my whole entire world got turned upside down and I spent a year the first year of the relationship going, I'm in a relationship with a man. I'm holding hands with this man in public and it feels weird. I feel like I'm betraying my tribe almost because of all of the years where it was a struggle to be okay with holding your hands in public. Um, And then having friends saying, oh, you know, so you're straight now and is that, that it? And it's no, he might be very heterosexual, He's definitely very he's very much a straight man, but he's with somebody who's bisexual and it's completely opened his eyes to like a whole world of stuff that he never really thought existed or happened or issues that he didn't he wasn't aware of. Um and it's kind of fun where we both sort of we both can kind of, you know, there's no judgment on me from me to him saying, you know, oh if we find somebody attractive in an aesthetic way. Or somebody's personality is really electric. We, you know, it's fine. We can both have the same. Ooh, yeah. I I really like that character in in this in this comedy. Um. So yeah. That, that that
0: that's that's interesting. I was going to ask. You know, I was going to ask you. Was he? You know, were you open with him? And how early were you open with him that you happened to be uh bisexual and what was his what was his immediate reaction to that because obviously for most people are bisexual that is the big thing isn't it a lot of the time it's actually you know being sort of trapped in a relationship where you can't actually be open about who you are as a real person
1: yeah from 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 the get-go from from the very first i think even before before the very first date before we actually agreed to meet up and quite i i got to the point where i'm i'm very candid about my life and i think yeah, I think even on on date number two, because at the time I was like interested in, I was looking at at um at, at sort of se- at sex work, but not set, but not sex. It was um sort of BDSM sex work, but without the sex attached to it. And I think on day two, I sat down with him and was like, "How would you feel if you were going out with somebody who said they were a mistress?" And he was like, "Um, yeah, no, I don't think I could handle that." And so it was like, okay. Fair enough. So, yeah, we're quite on. I'm very on the level. There's no fluff at all.
0: That's what we need. We need everyone to be open and uh, honest. Wouldn't the world be much better if everyone's open and honest and upfront? <laughs> but just talk a little bit about the pressure that there is if you end up in that sort of gay world and you end up in a relationship, a um, you know, lesbian relationship, and um, I mean, I've had this experience myself, whereby when I first, um, you know, came out as a as a as a teenager kind of thing I ended up in gay circles so it was long it was much longer before I started to look at my at the other side of you know my attraction to women kind of thing and I felt like you were saying before the whole thing about the pressure of of just just sort of feeling as though you're betraying something you're betraying the people that have supported you and all that kind of thing, and that certainly, you know, happened to me. And 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 it was interesting to hear you talking about that. But just tell me the kind of things that people, other, you know, what, what what lesbians, women would say about be people being bisexual. So I'm talking about the, the prejudice that exists, but also just the pressure to to conform and to continue in that sort of environment. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, as I said, um, I got into a relationship with a woman who. I was and I was really shocked at who she who she was and the work that she did in the community and and how her attitude was um. and we were on sort of we weren't seeing each other very long we were on a date and we were going to to a, vet, to a venue to the, like, there was a there was an event a big event happening and we were in the back of in the back of the car and she she, the conversation came up and she said I could never be in a relationship with um somebody who was bisexual because I wouldn't want a man interfering in my relationship and just that statement was just I don't understand how a man is going to like you're telling me that I'm not going to be monogamous um or that I'm going to be looking at other men whilst i'm with you and that's that's not that's not how this works um you know i had a previous girlfriend who had said who who had like this belief that i was every every time i had a male friend that i'd sit down and have coffee with that oh you're going to run, you're going to run off, you, you, you're going to go off with them with a man and um because that's that's ultimately what you want. Um and it was quite it's quite disheartening. It gets to the point where you don't actually want to say this out loud because all of the fears that you had of yourself. I mean I do remember being in an in a, in a nightclub and as I say I was I was a I was very promiscuous. I was quite a player. Um I didn't I had no morals, I still have no morals, Um, very strong ethics code, but um, I had kissed, I don't know, several people that night. And I remember kissing this guy after kissing a guy and then going and kissing a girl. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, oh, is that you up to your old bisexual tricks? and I looked at him and I said no actually me kissing you is me up to my old bisexual tricks you know I I don't I don't really know what that, where you want to go with that but I'm not straight that's just it you know Um, so yeah there's there's quite a that negative stigma of you know you're you're going to end up with a man that you're going to, that you're going to be straight, that you're just experimenting. That's always been the, it's always been the vibe that I've got from within the, um, the lesbian community.
3: You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. Hi, I'm Ezra. I live in Derry in Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm a performer and a musician and I'm bisexual and non-binary. When I came out, I was 14, I think. Um, And it was really, really anticlimactic, which, um, (laughs) and my mum was sitting doing her makeup and I was looking at a picture on my phone of Lily Rabe, who is a beautiful woman, she's really gorgeous. She said an American Horror Story and all that. And I was looking at a picture of her and I said, "Oh." Lily Rabe is so beautiful and my mom turned around and she said, are you bisexual? And I said, yeah. She said, okay. And just went back to do her makeup. And uh, it was, it was very, it, it was a diplomatic because I mean, I had kind of been thinking about and discovering my sexuality for a while before that. Um, I think the first time I ever thought about it was um, I was walking through the playground one day, one day with my friends and I was talking about how pretty another celebrity was and my friend went are you bisexual and I just went probably never thought about it before and then I sat down had like a big thing. Um, so yeah I, I think it was very easy for me to kind of be able to sit down and think maybe I'm this way, maybe I'm this, like maybe I'm attracted to this person, maybe I'm attracted to this person, um, and there's a term for that and it's bisexual, okay cool, that's me, um, and I I did jump back and forth, I came out about eight times, <laughs> as loads of different things, uh, first I came out as pansexual, and then as a lesbian and then as bisexual again and then a lesbian again and then bisexual and now i used the term queer because it's the most comfortable but I, th- I think i'm very lucky because i had a very open space to kind of explore my sexuality and there was no uh shame or backlash that came from my family which was uh very nice and it was yeah very liberating
0: Excellent. I mean, that's <laughs> it's the kind of thing we all we we all hope for, isn't it? I mean, that's really really, really good. So, do you? So, the, the the fact that you swapped and changed and things like that did you did you though find pressure to conform in certain environments, or genuinely do you think your the reason why you flipped and flopped between different things was because your sexuality has actually been you know what people would call um, fluid, as it were
3: yeah i would say so um i think the i think a lot of bisexual people and i've talked to like all of my bi and pan friends about this and they have this thing where you'll see a really nice looking girl and you go oh my gosh i'm a lesbian i've been faking it the whole time and then a really nice looking boy walks past and you go oh no i'm straight i've been faking it the whole time it's just an endless cycle forever of just bisexual people because our sexuality is so fluid it's it's kind of weird that there's a word for it uh, or word, several different terms for it that uh, people can use um, yeah I think it was just because the nature of my sexuality is so fluid that it was like oh no I'm gay oh no I'm not gay oh no I'm gay oh no I'm not gay you know it's just back and forth forever <laughs>
0: That, 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 that's interesting. Do you feel you know? But people often talk about. Well, I mean, the Kinsey scale, of course, is you know was always about everyone's on the scale, of, and often be. Some people talk about being, um, you know, fifty-fifty. Certain thing one way or another. Some people talk about being more attracted to one type of, you know, gender to another. All those kind of things. Do you know? It, do, do you? Are you ever categorised yourself in that way? How would you describe yourself at this moment? If your if your sexuality is fluid, where are you as Ezra at this moment in time?
3: I would say that um, you know bisexual isn't half gay and half straight. It's uh, like if if straight is red and gay is blue, then bisexual is not purple. It's probably like green or some other completely different color it's um obviously it's very personal like a lot of people have a preference uh but personally i i don't i could never see myself having a preference because uh i love women and i love men and i love uh people in between gender um and it's it's not that either of those is a gender that I love more. I mean, I did, when I was first coming out, I dated uh, a lot of women um, to kind of be like, look at me, I'm so bisexual, you know, that kind of way. Um, and now I'm in uh, a long-term relationship with a man. And I, I wouldn't say that I like men men, or women, or any other gender, more. I think it's a very complex sort of whole. Like it's a whole love for each. Uh, I'm like if a lesbian loves women, then they love women. Like that's just it, and. I think for me, it's like being a whole lesbian and a whole straight person, not half a lesbian and half a straight person. That kind of way, like it's, it's a whole love for, um, the gender, the genders that 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 you're attracted to.
0: That, that's really that's really interesting. Um, obviously, you know, this is what's quite amazing about bisexuality. Everybody's story is, is so. Is so different, really, and that's that's quite quite interesting. Now, Mel was talking about the the, the prejudice and difficulties faced along the way, uh, and how people would react to um, bisexuality. You seem to be very comfortable with the way you are, and you know you you've obviously had this fluid fluidity and managed to deal with that and cope with that yourself and all the rest of it. But did you find along the way that there were people who were you know, biphobic and did you have to explain yourself? Did you have to, did you get into situations whereby it was a little bit more difficult? I mean, obviously it's fantastic. You had an accepting family and all the rest of it, but did you find along the way in Northern Ireland that there were people who weren't accepting and you obviously sometimes had to um, challenge that?
3: I think, uh, personally, I didn't get, uh, I didn't, I got a lot of, well, not a lot, but, uh, enough to be an issue. Uh, biphobia from within the community um which is lesbians you know as Mel said saying that they couldn't trust a bisexual person because what if they ran off with a man or you know uh straight men thinking that you just want to like like they can have threesomes all the time then if you're bisexual because you like both posing not an issue and you're like you're obviously going to be very sort of flippant with who you're with apparently because you're bisexual which uh it's it's very disheartening sort of to maybe especially because I, as a young person i'm only 18 uh like being like young love it's <laughs> it's very exciting and fresh and whenever you start getting feelings for someone it's really like i i personally it's like a quite pure emotion and then if you talk to them and you like you realize that they're not going to be able to love you in the same way that you could love them because they have this preconceived notion of how you're greedy or unfaithful or uh unclean or whatever because of something that was predetermined that you have no choice in and
0: obviously you've both got experiences of bisexuality um from different periods which is really really interesting um it's great that you're both um comfortable with, with, with with your bisexuality but i'd like to open this up to both of you now a little bit but i'll come to you first mel there's this issue, isn't there, a lot of the time around bisexuality that everyone seems to think that we're we're just basically, that the bird bisexual means that you are greedy, that you're promiscuous, that um, you're going to cheat all the time, all these kind of things. And I find myself spending a lot of time apologising for being bisexual. Not apologising, but trying to say, you know, well, just because I'm bisexual doesn't mean to say such and such. And, you know, and all that kind of thing. But there are plenty of people who are gay and straight who are promiscuous, and they never have to go around saying, you know, I'm I'm sorry about this, that, and the other. Um, What do you think about that? Where do you think it comes from? And what problems does it pose? I mean, I do get the impression sometimes that, that bisexual women have a particular issue, sometimes more than bisexual men, because there is this whole thing which Ezra was talking about, which was this thing about men liking the idea of a threesome with a couple of women and all that kind of thing? There's all that kind of, you know, mixed up in it, isn't there? So tell us a bit about that and explain how you think it it manifests itself. Why it's why it manifests itself in that way, and how do you how do you challenge that? How do we challenge that as a society?
1: Yeah, a lot of questions. Um, I think I think because primarily we have this idea of um we have a very heteronormative construction so man woman woman is there for sex for men and men enjoy sex women don't really talk about enjoying or don't get to discuss enjoying sex so there's that side of it and then when you look at gay men gay men have um have a have a reputation for being very very direct um with their sexual desires and you know, that there's there was there was a very promiscuous attitude that's attached. So you you know, when you look at apps like Grinder and um and those sort of sex apps and and the culture of going out clubbing, picking up, heading off, having sex, and even sort of the hang up over like HIV and AIDS and stuff like that so gay men had like this idea of being very promiscuous Um, and then so I think by by I actually think bisexual men get it very tough because they have that there's always that idea of the by now gay later that you haven't made that final step towards being gay but you will it's okay you'll come around eventually it's just a tipping point for coming out you're testing the water a little bit and i think then the reverse is for is is applied for women we have when we put the focus on women we sexualize women in a very different way it's about a male gaze and so that thing of like the threesome being there or being the automatic assumption from from straight men that i oh, you, you know like we so you're bisexual let's let's have a threesome do you know a friend can we get in and it's very much about the male gaze and how we're perceived in the media, I think there really is that when you see yourself um, misrepresented a lot, you you kind of have a very skewed vision. And then where do you go, and what do you try? How do you try to find yourself? Um, and as I say, I have I'm I have become very candid in my. Um, in my approach to life, because I think you can't really argue about honesty, or argue with honesty, and I don't, I don't want to be apologetic. I think we've 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 tried to sanitize ourselves a lot to make ourselves fit in, in order to fight for equality in the way that we have, we've had to like sort of try and make ourselves more palatable and i think that we should stop we we need to stop doing that we need to stop being hidden in corners and and actually be brave enough to say yeah listen look we're here and um start making assumptions over what our preferences are you know like it's 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 really it's really not i i don't want to justify myself and i don't think we should we should have to justify
2: ourselves
0: um, Ezra, is that your, um, experience, your feeling on this? Because it's interesting to hear from you because you're much younger than, than I am, 47, and you're 18, for heaven's sake. Um, you know, there are lots of people, I, I interviewed somebody earlier on this evening who, who's a 45-year-old guy who's literally just now coming to terms with being bisexual. He's bottled it up for entire life until this minute, which is awful, really, when you think about it. To be in that situation whereby you know most of his well, his younger life is you know he's not been able to be um, true to himself or anything. It's an awful situation. It's talking about what Mel was saying, what what what's been your experience in terms of that kind of thing of being seen as you know if you're bisexual you must be you must be wanting to have lots of sex all the time kind of thing. And do you think, as a younger person, that genuinely attitudes Towards bisexuality are changing or not? Because although your experiences are quite seem quite good, I have spoken to quite a few young people who still find it very hard to admit to being bisexual. It's quite easy now to say and be open and say you're gay, but being bisexual is still an issue, and particularly amongst you know people within the LGBT world.
3: Yeah, I uh, agree with male. Um... There's, whenever someone comes out as bisexual, if they're a man, then it's obviously a stepping stone to being gay, and if they're a woman, then it's obviously a stepping stone to see more interesting, which is something that you hear a lot of, oh, you're just straight, you're just doing this for attention, but something that's very interesting to me is that no matter what, if you come out as bisexual, people will try to diminish that and make sure That your sexuality is at the end of the day male centric which is it's because we live in a patriarchal society and i mean men make up the rules for most things even when they're not involved so it doesn't matter what your stepping off point is then it's you're gonna go back to men because that's what you should do even for uh not bisexual men as well and you see that a lot even with lesbians i mean a lot of, this is a bit crass, but a lot of lesbian porn is geared towards men, and it's, it's they have a habit of taking away our love and our pleasure that is a private experience and making it uh, centered to the the straight male gaze, which is not very fun. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of people that have either said to me or pals like oh well you're not bisexual because you've never went out with a girl or a boy or both or whatever and a lot of people say how do you know if you've not slept with a man or if you've not slept with a woman how do you know if you're bisexual which the same stuff the same kind of questions just aren't asked of straight people um and nowhere near as much as they're asked the gay people, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think in terms of acceptance, we have come forward a bit, but there is a lot more work that needs to be done, especially within the community because you get, I mean, I mean a lot of the comments that I've gotten about my sexuality have been from uh, straight cis gay men who want to just run about pride and treat it as a big party and which pride is a great time it's so fun but pride's still a riot and it's a it's a riot for our rights and when everybody doesn't have their rights they kind of just don't want to talk about that and they want to just jump on the party bus and pretend all is well so yeah i think there is still a lot of progress that could be made in terms of bisexual acceptance by and large but also within the community.
0: What do you think could be done then to try and sort of open things up a bit more for bisexual people to enable them to be a bit more open obviously we're doing this podcast which is great and we've had some great feedback from people saying you know it's great to have a a bisexual podcast out there that people can start to identify with and all the rest of it but most people who are who are bisexual, I think, can probably account on less than one hand the other people that they know who are also bisexual, even though I think we all have a gut knowledge, I think, that actually a lot more people are, are bisexual out there but can't be open about it. Um, what do you think could actually be done then, both of you, to sort of enable bi people to be more open and acknowledge who they are and, and you know, what, what needs to be done? I mean, we've got an LGBT sort of environment where there's lots of organisations and all that kind of thing. But it always strikes me that there's not really enough spent on the B. Any thoughts, Mel?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Oh, my goodness. I know so many bisexual people. Um, And it's from because as a performer, because as as a writer and a performer, I write stuff, so like I, you know, some of my spoken word pieces are very much, very outspokenly. I'm bisexual. Here, so this is this is how it is. Um, you know, like I have a show that's like, um, there's loads of bisexual characters in it, and you, I have people coming up to me afterwards and being like, "Oh my goodness, that's brilliant to see." I'm, I'm, I'm also bi, and so many when I started performing those pieces, so many of my friends. That I never had a clue about came up to me and were like, "Oh, I really appreciate you being so open." Um, I'm also, I'm also bi. I'm being very quiet about it, but yeah, I know so many bi people, and I think that's it. I think we need to put the conversation in a very public place. You know, it like very openly saying that bi bisexual people exist and that we are there, and that that they're not the people that you make the judgments. It's not. That there's there's more variety in who who are out there. It's we're not just a bunch of weirdos hiding in a in a cupboard somewhere, waiting to steal your girlfriend and your boyfriend.
0: I would think most people don't know many people are bisexual because you don't. Nobody goes around with something on their head saying, "I'm I'm bisexual," do they? So, Ezra, what what do you what do you think about that?
3: Um, I think I would be in the same boat as male. See, something that I've realized uh, is that queer people in general and trans people, um, when we're younger, we can kind of sense <laughs> that someone is LGBTQ+. I don't know how we do it. I don't know if certain types of media attract young queer kids more or something, but I, I sat down the other day and I thought about it and all of my childhood friends that I'm still in contact with are uh, are in some way part of the lgbtq plus community uh like very very few of them are straight i mean my my very best friend from we were tiny tots like she um she's lesbian and we both kind of came out to each other at the same time and it was just really normal but i uh, i have i think i have i have very very few straight friends um i have a lot of bisexual and pansexual friends, uh, which I think that that's the key to uh, sort of. I think the main things that we need to get our heads around is education, representation, and community. So we need sort of talks in school. And you hear every so often about people being gay and people being uh, trans. But I think more detail needs to go into that. I think we need to talk about being bisexual or other multi-gender attracted sexualities and being non-binary or how fluid gender is and how fluid sexuality can be as well. I think it's very important to learn about that. I think representation is one of the most important things I mean, I didn't know that I was non-binary or bisexual until until I met a non-binary bisexual person. Um, and I wouldn't have known if I hadn't have heard someone say my pronouns, are they them?" And if I hadn't been asked, maybe, are you bisexual?" You know, I, it would have been very hard to figure that out without knowing these terms or without having that kind of thing as a reference, I suppose. But, yeah, and also, like, talking to your friends about anything is always helpful. So, yeah, I think that's the main thing is education, representation and community is the way forward.
0: Well, I'm heartened listening to both of you, actually, that um, um, you're so positive. I think it's fantastic. It's really good. And, And coming from a place like Northern Ireland where I thought I'm bound to be talking to you and there's bound to be lots of, horrible things you're going to tell me about, people being prejudiced and biphobic and all the rest of it. And I know you both touched on the, bi- the biphobia that does just still exist in different ways. But it, it's very um, interesting to hear you, Ezra, talking about how 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 you know, you've got so many, say, LGBT um, friends and, and people around you. I do wonder, though, that the mainstream, so mainstream media, the wider society, still hasn't yet got its head round um, bisexuality. I think people... You know the younger end probably have and they do understand what it is, but I do wonder that you know we're talking about a, a population that's a lot of people, a lot of different ages. And as I say, there are lots of people who you know in the 40s, 50s, 60s who are bisexual, just have, have, have not been able to speak about it, not be able to talk with people in the even people in their 30s and 20 and late 20s, to be honest, you know, who find it very difficult to actually be open about it. So, um, it's great to hear what you're doing, Mel, in terms of your. Um, your art and your work and to sort of get that message out there um, and to get people talking about it's fantastic so I wish you both um, the the, the best of luck in your your continued journeys uh, as it were but um, just a final word from both of you about you know about Northern Ireland really it's quite you know I'm always quite you know I say I'm quite surprised in a way Um, would you would you say Northern Ireland is you know sort of starting to break through from its You know the the sort of reputation as being a fairly sort of conservative-minded sort of um province and and things are moving forward and moving forward quite rapidly with the um you know the 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 younger generations mel um
1: no the political side of northern ireland like the people who actually make the laws and hold all the cards they're that's still very conservative. I mean, there is a, you, you know, you, we are seeing some shifts where some of the more strategic political movements are realizing that actually they're going to have to soften on a lot of stuff um and and, and make way, but it's mostly because of the amazing queer activists that we have here because it's been so hard that have really driven forward on being totally radical, creating community, creating the resources that are there, being very outspoken um, and, and realising that, that actually what the needs are. You know, we, we've got quite a huge artist community here and that artist community is very predominantly queer um, and so that you, you're getting the stuff that really needs to be checked and really needs to be said being pushed out, um, and I think that's why 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 we seem so progressive. I mean, we we are very fortunate. Ezra and I live in a city that is a very very queer city, in terms of like the rules of other cities don't apply to to here. We we kind of do things our own way, and um, and we're very like. Yeah, we're very accepting and um and very very hospitable to strangers.
0: Is Derry the the, the liberal sort of progressive capital of Northern Ireland? then?
1: Probably, probably. I mean, I would say we we. It's all it's because we we've had to do things our own way. We've like we we're so un, underfunded, um uh, and so uh, we've had to really grassroots go to the grassroots and work together and come together and do to to be able to provide for the city's needs and we've got a huge queer community here and it's getting better and it's getting bigger and we're we're really really we're really coming together a lot, you know, and and it's because of the forerunners that have been brave enough to put their heads above the parapet and say, actually change needs to happen. Um I hope Ezra will agree.
3: Uh, yeah, I I I agree. Yeah, uh, I think as a people and as a nation, because of the troubles and because a lot of people grew up just surrounded by conflict, we we're a very traumatized nation. Um, we we kind of we take community very seriously, um, and we stick by each other no matter what which I think in terms of accepting um, the people in the LGBTQ plus community, it's only, it's a slightly smaller step than it would be in other places, because if you've been through something terrible and something as chaotic and sort of difficult to live through as The Troubles, I mean, hearing that somebody fancies men, I mean, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be harder to shaky about that i suppose and yeah we 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 love community here and mel's completely right i mean it's because people have stuck their head up and said hello like pay attention this is what we need and i think it's it has come from that kind of the necessity of having to do that has made uh Northern Irish people more able to do that, uh, but yeah, I think Derry in particular, Derry and Belfast, I think would be the main hubs of sort of uh, expression, and they're super queer and amazing and so liberal. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, no matter where you go in Derry, you'll find art and you'll find queer people, <laughs> which I think is fantastic.
0: Do you think some of it is also because um, the Irish people generally, not just Northern Irish, have often been the outsiders in such situations? And obviously, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans people are also the outsiders. Do you think that's part of it? The fact that actually there's more of an affinity in a way with people who are in that kind of situation, that it's um, you know it's easier to sort of um, put your arm around them and sort of accept them a little bit? Because it's interesting, isn't it, how the... Of the South of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, um, although you know very conservative in many ways, has adopted quite a lot of liberal things. Um, obviously, there was Mary Robinson back in the 1990s It was, um, you know, and obviously um, equalisation of, um, of the gauge of consent, I think, was equalised quicker than it was in the UK and all these kind of things. So I wonder if it's something about the, the other, you know, being the outsider kind of thing that is part of it as well. What do you think, Mel?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, in the south, there's like the, a lot of the. In, in order for independence, like whenever if you go back into history, into Irish history, a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the rebels were queer activists. Um, to, you know, like people like Elizabeth O'Farrell and. um who who got airbrushed out of history, um, and and we're running messages. Her and her lover were running messages all around the country. You know, like there there's such a strong kind of, um, I and I I wonder sometimes if it goes back to like Celtic blood, if that's you know if there's a sort of sense of freedom there, um, but yeah, uh, like the 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 marriage referendum in the south being passed the way that it was, um, was was very much based. Like down to Irish grannies um and the love of their grandkids um and wanting to support them <laughs> in their pursuits for marriage um which I think is fantastic. There's still a huge a huge way to go in terms of like a lot of the schools are Catholic are religious maintained and so teachers find it very difficult to be out and and that but um but they're getting it's they're getting there, and I think yeah, the outsider view perhaps that that's it maybe i don't know if i answered your question
0: yeah no you you (laughs) did i mean it's something something i've got a bit of a view on as well because i'm as you can see my name's Byrne b-y-r-n-e so i um you know my granddad came from carlo so i'm I'm, i've got irish in me about to i'm trying to apply for my irish passport at the moment as well Uh, (laughs) um ezra so what what do you think do you think it is part of that other side of things that sort of that outsider thing that means that you know um northern ireland and irish people generally are able to sort of Um, support the um, LGBT community a bit more?
3: Yeah, Um, I think Mel made a good point earlier, she said that I mean Northern Ireland uh, specifically, uh, we're quite liberal, we're very accepting of people but politically it is super super conservative, like uh, gay marriage and abortion rights were only passed here not even a year ago but I think, yeah, sort of disparity brings togetherness. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that, yeah, the Irish have been through a lot. Um, so accepting somebody for something that they have no choice over and they just want to be loved about, I think it's not like flying to the moon, you know. it's just It's just as simple as it is. Uh, I just wanted to say this has been lovely to talk about. You don't really get to talk about this kind of thing very often. um, And it's important to talk about, so it's good. It's been
0: really nice to talk to you both. And uh, let's keep in touch.
3: This is Bisexual Brunch.
0: So there you go. Mel and Ezra's story. Mel and Ezra are from Derry. And we hope to uh, get Mel on uh, the show at some point in the future uh, to demonstrate some of her wonderful uh, creativity. So then, Nicky, we haven't got Lewis um, because he's somewhere on a street corner waiting for that baby to arrive. I listen, know, bless him. <laughs> him. I've
2: texted him so many times, where's that baby? Every day. And then all of a sudden he messaged us, he messaged us, didn't he, today? Yeah, so he was meant to yeah. do the podcast and he said the contractions have started. Sorry, you're going to have to do it by yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm really missing him this week though, because it is by visibility week. I nearly always do an event with him during this time. I mean, I've done for the past couple of years. Obviously we haven't been able to, we wouldn't be able to do anything physical anyway because of COVID, but um, I, I have missed his presence, but his presence is, is felt quite clearly on his Twitter feed where he's been promoting all the things that he's contributed to. He's been in Forbes, he's been in GQ, you know, he's really, he's really taking precedence now as one of the foremost bi activists and yeah. it makes me really proud of him because he, his advice is always just so brilliant as well, it's so matter of fact and down-to-earth.
0: Yeah, it's very practical, isn't it? That's the point. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the difference in a way from, no respect to previous bisexual activists that have been going on down the years, but... I feel as though Lewis cuts through a bit more than some yeah. of others because it, it's just it's not ro- it's not rolled up in a load of politics and issues around you know this that and the other. Um, he just wants to you know say as you say say it, say it as it is really. What kind of things has he been saying in these uh, articles then?
2: Well, in the Forbes piece, he was really talking about how to be a good buy ally. So you know, obviously that's hugely needed because it's it's just kind of an obvious question, isn't it? It's like if you want to support somebody in your life to be by, well how best do you support them? They they might not know themselves. I think that's kind of what's yeah, important about yeah, that, you yeah, know. Yeah. So he was given advice on that. And then in the GQ piece he was really kind of laying down the law in terms of what prejudices by people are still facing, like the mental health situation. I've seen the mental health issue covered a lot actually in the press this week. So Cosmo and Mashable went, went, went big on mental health for, for bi- um, Visibility Day this week. So, you know, that's obviously very topical, and very timely. I'm hoping that means that, you know, there's gonna be more awareness at kind of a high level and then the government's gonna put money in yeah, and then we're gonna yeah. get that research done as we've kind of seen over the course of the series already. So yeah, and then I think I don't think he posed in his underwear this year. <laughs> I think that's because he's heading towards Dad Bod. So he's um he's avoiding the the, the pics. But uh, <laughs> apart from that, he's still got loads of fans though. You know, he always gets get he always gets loads of retweets and loads of interactions on Twitter. He's got a proper fan club on this.
0: Yeah, no, he's brilliant, brilliant. Well wish you well. Hopefully this baby will appear soon and hopefully he'll actually Get to be at the birth, but as you say, it's a bit difficult to work out exactly when they can let him in, isn't it? You know, with a mask around his face and, and all the rest. Well, of maybe it. I
2: don't know. Maybe he can play the by card and say it's about representation, and he definitely needs to be there for the birth of the baby. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely do that. anyway
0: <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. The other thing I noticed this week, and, and we're going to get them on at some point. There was a there was a conference by um, some health uh, experts in London. I think it was Camberwell. Uh, where they were doing a sexual health conference. I think it was just a one-day thing online uh, around uh, sexual health and bisexuality, which I thought was interesting. And I'm sure if Lewis uh, was on the show tonight, he'd be saying how wonderful that was because, of course, he's been he's been basically calling for that kind mm. of thing for such a long time yeah. for that for the, for people to actually focus on bisexuality rather than just lumping it all up, up, up with LGBT. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we'll find out some more from them in in future weeks. But yeah. So, fantastic. It was lovely to hear from Mel and Ezra, and we'll have some more personal stories in in future weeks, and hopefully uh, Lewis will be back next week with um, a baby screeching and screaming in the background, I'm sure.
2: He has (laughs) promised that he's going to bring his daughter on the podcast oh, pretty much immediately so I'm, I'm i'm confident that we're going to get some screeching next week <laughs> and oh. it won't be lewis for a change <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly well um, he's got to
2: move over now
0: absolutely but what we're going to miss of course is we always end we always end the show if you've all noticed <laughs> right at the end there's usually a little quip from lewis some funny quip but we're lewis this week so we, we haven't got a quip really Unless you've got something to say, Nikki.
2: Well, no, all I was going to say is, because Lewis and I always have a glass of wine on this chat, he's obviously not having his, so I'm going to go have another
0: one just for him. Oh, fabulous. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week.
1: If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at @bisexualbrunch on Twitter.
2: And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later.
1: Bye for now.
2: This
3: program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.